All right, so we are in our series where we are walking through Romans chapter 8. And um, for those of you that are new or kind of new, we uh, will do a topic and then we pick a, uh, a book that we'll go through and then we'll go back to a topic. And right now, we've been taking about, uh, I don't know, about a year, a uh, year and a half to walk through the book of Romans. If you've ever read, read Romans, it's pretty deep. There's a lot of stuff in it where you go, I have no idea what that means. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you, you, whoa, you've got to stop and you've got to really read it. Um, and so that video pretty much summed up the entire book of Romans, so we can just go home. Um, <clears throat> here's what we're going to do today. You'll notice you've got um, some baggies. Hang, hang on to these pretty close. We're going we're gonna to use these. Um, if you want to, you can go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 11 today. If you don't have a Bible uh, and you want one, there's some in the back there on the table. We're pretty laid back around here. You know, if you want to grab some coffee and stuff too, go ahead, grab, do that too. But we're going to be looking at Romans, 5, Romans 8, 5 through 11. 5 through 11. Um, and let me kind of tell you what's going on here. Paul writes this letter to a group of Christians in Rome. Um, now, this is about uh, A.D. 60, 60-ish, 65-ish, 63-ish. And um, it's made up of Christians who have a Jewish background as well as what's called a Gentile background. Gentile background is anybody who's not Jewish. And he's writing this letter to them, and <clears throat> he goes through a lot, and we recapped it uh, last week, so I'm not going to do that again. But um, at the end of chapter 7, he does talk about, and we can all relate to this, this warring spirit thing that we have going on within us, right? We've got this, this fleshly desire where we want to do our thing, but then we, for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have the spirit living within us, and he calls us to follow him. And, and so there are times in our life, and maybe I'm just the only one, I really hope not, but there are times in our life where we feel pulled, Right? And, and so Paul is actually playing off of that when he's at the end of chapter 7, he's talking about, he's talking about that within us. In verses 5 through 11, he's actually going to contrast the life-giving spirit with the death-dealing flesh. He's going to contrast people who have begun a relationship with Jesus Christ and people who have not. He's going to contrast the flesh, and the spirit. And what he's doing is he is revealing the radical difference that the Holy Spirit makes in a person. And, and let me just say this right now, because this is part of what Paul wants to, to say. If your life doesn't look any different from when you began a relationship with Jesus Christ, then it probably isn't any different and, and it's one of those times where you might want to say, I need to do a gut check right here. I need to really ask myself, do I have what I think I have? Do I have a relationship with my Heavenly Father? And so we're going to look at that. There's, there's a few times in Scripture where you run across these passages. I, I do it myself. I've been a Christian for uh, 15 years um, and been in ministry for um, 12, I think. And there's passages that I still run across in Scripture and I read them, and I'm like, whoa, who, you know, you, you know, this, I'm the only one. Okay, great. So you run across them, and you're like, oh, um, okay, okay, God, I, I, I need to know if you're with me or if I'm with you, you know? I mean, it just kind of, and that's good. 
that's a good thing. You don't want to doubt your salvation. You know, you want to be able to run it through the filter of Scripture. But there are times when you read something. We're going to look at one of these things, one of these verses today. You read it and you're like, whoa, gut check time. So let's go ahead and jump in real quick. Uh, Verse 5 of chapter 8. Paul says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. Pretty straightforward, right? Verse 7, or verse 6. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Now, here's the thing. If you're living for yourself, then you live for your own desires. That's what Paul's saying. If you live by the Spirit, then you live based upon what Jesus desires. You live to follow the Holy Spirit. Take out your black licorice. Take out your black licorice for me. And I want you to break it in half. And if you don't have some, if you don't have some, we've got extras up here, so I can uh, pass those around. I'll just pass them back or something. I don't know. Can we pass them back? I don't know what we're doing here. Here we go. Um, Take the black licorice and and break it in half. Break it in half. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to eat half of it, but don't swallow it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. Work with me. If you don't do this, then my whole message is in trouble, okay? Here we go. Oh, anybody? Anybody? Anyone? Okay, got some? All right, here we go. Chris, oh, man, you look like you need some. Here we go. There we go. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, here's an extra one if anybody needs it. All right, don't swallow it. I want you to savor it. Enjoy the flavor. Y'all like that? Just, I mean, just let it sink in. Mmm, this is great. Now, I can't eat it because um, I, I get stuff in my throat, and I'm clearing my throat all the time, so I apologize for that. But I'm with you, okay? I'm with you. Now, raise your hand if you love black licorice. Brittany, Curtis, Peggy, okay, so, so we've got a few that love black licorice. Raise your hand if you hate black licorice. Can't stand it. Go ahead and swallow it. Okay, go ahead and swallow it. You're like, oh, this is the worst church I've ever been to. <clears throat> it's disgusting. I mean, for the, other than the three of you, it's just gross, isn't it? Um, and, and here's the thing, and this is what I, the, kind of the illustration I want to point out, because notice what Paul doesn't say here. He doesn't say, if you follow the Spirit, man, your life is going to be awesome. You're just going to, everything's going to be great. You're going you're gonna to have just peace. And, and, and uh, you know, all the time, everything's just going to be wonderful. You'll never be, be in trouble. And, and you'll never have hard times. Now, if you're following Christ, you will have peace. Sometimes, if we're really honest, when we're following the Spirit, it's tough. There's things that we go through in life that are hard to swallow, right? They're hard to take. But if you follow the Holy Spirit, you're not necessarily always going to have a wonderful life, this dreamy life like you, like you think. But here's the thing. You will always have somebody who is walking through those difficult times with you. You will have somebody who will eat that licorice with you, right? And they'll love it. Now, 
If you uh, if you've got if you don't like the black licorice, go ahead and pass it to those who are around you that do. Raise your hand if you don't like if you do like black licorice, Curtis and Peggy and Pat. Go ahead and pass that to them because you don't even want it, right? You don't. Curtis is like jackpot. (laughs) Now listen. For those of us that have set our minds on the, on the Holy Spirit, go ahead and take out that red licorice and, and break it. And go ahead and, and, and eat that if you like red licorice. Let's get that taste out of our mouth. Is that better? It makes it a lot better, doesn't it? For those of us who have our minds set on the Holy Spirit and what He desires, here's the thing. God has the best plan for you. And, you, and we know this. Even in the hard times, we know this. And that is to glorify him. It's not, it's not to pump us up. It's not to make us look good. It is to make him look good. It is to make him famous. It's not to make us rich. It's not to make us famous. It's to make him famous. And so here's your first point. If you, um, if you have your programs, you can write these in the program. Those who live in the Spirit have a relationship with Jesus. When we live by the Spirit, we are submitting to Him with the decisions in our lives. And you can either live by the sinful nature and what you set your mind on in that nature, or you can live by the Spirit and set your mind on that. And so we want to submit to Him with the decisions that we make in our lives. We want to, we want to eat the red licorice. But sometimes the black licorice comes along and we still have to walk through it and swallow it. And so seeking his answer for each decision in our life is what we want as followers of Jesus Christ. Now notice this word mind. This word mind in, in the Greek is phronema. Okay? And its root word is phren. And basically what this root word means and what this word means, phronema, it means everything that occurs up here. And so if you're setting your mind on the Spirit, it means all of your mental faculties. Reason, understanding, wisdom, and affection or emotion. Now, a lot of times we think emotion because we feel it here. We feel it in our stomach when we fall in love. And, you know, it's, we feel it here and here. But it's, it's occurring up here. And the Greeks did know this. They understood this. And so it's important that we understand this definition of mind because so often we allow the spirit into different areas of our mind. We'll allow him to control the reason or we'll allow him to control the understanding or the wisdom or maybe even the emotion. I think the, the times where we get into trouble the most, and I speak for myself, is when emotion gets overly involved. And, and you guys know me, I'm not too emotional of a guy, but I can be. And, um, and so the, the phrase that I hear a lot is, it just feels right. That's, that's the phrase that, that kind of throws a red flag up to me sometimes. It just feels right. And so, I, you know, anytime I'm doing counseling or, or whatever it may be, talking to somebody, I don't know, it just feels right. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And normally what they mean is, you know, the emotion, it just feels right. And so I always encourage people to balance it out and seek the Spirit and let Him balance it out, rather, 
with the reason and the wisdom and the understanding. Now, you can go the opposite way with it, too. You can be all reason and no emotion, but the Holy Spirit uses all of these things. And so when, when you are worshiping God in your decisions, we need to understand that living according to the Spirit isn't just sex, drugs, and alcohol. You know, the big three that you learned in, when you were young. Man, it's, it, it's up here, and it's making decisions on your own. It's not giving the Spirit the ability to help you think and to make decisions for you, with you. And honestly, sometimes it's different. It's difficult to discern, isn't it? I mean, sometimes something feels right, and it's just hard, and, and man... You know, you've got this business decision and, and it just, everything looks right and, and you're pumped up because you're so excited and, and there's no reason involved. It's just this emotional decision you're ready to make. There's nothing wrong with waiting when that happens. There's nothing, it won't kill you to wait. If you just hold back and say, all right, we're just going to stop. We're going to put things on pause right here. And we're just going to let the Spirit do His work. Sometimes it's in a relationship. You just say, whoa, all right, pause. Let's, let's give the Spirit time to do some work here. You have to understand that when, when you're dealing with the mind, you're dealing with things a lot of times that are life-altering decisions. Marriage or a long-term boyfriend or girlfriend. A business decision that could be years-long and could really damage your family. I mean, these are big-time issues a lot of times. I've, um, I've heard it a lot from drug addicts who don't believe that they're addicts. I've heard them say, it, it's, it's fine, I've got it under control. You know, when I do it, things are just right. That's scary. Because what they don't see is that the end of the road is death. Fleshly. And so we need to be careful and we want to make sure, and this is your second point, those who think in the Spirit have a relationship with Jesus. You think in the Spirit by submitting your mind to Him. You think in the Spirit by submitting your mind to Him. Now, I know that this is easier said than done, right? But we can make the wise choice of living in the Spirit and following our emotions and our affections to life because we allow the Spirit to balance out the reason, wisdom, and understanding. Or we can follow, make the unwise choice of living in the flesh and follow our emotions and our affections to what could be death, if not, it's a, if not a downward spiral, because we ignore the Spirit when it comes to those other things, reason, wisdom, and understanding. So keep that in mind when you read that. It's only this definition of mind is here. Jesus uses it once in Matthew. Paul uses it two more times, once in uh, Colossians, and I think the other one's First, uh, first Corinthians. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of other definitions for mind in the way they use it. But it's important that we understand that here. Verse, verse 7. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Verse 8, those who are controlled by the sinful nature cannot, cannot please God. Coming off of this definition,
definition of mind, you could even say here where, where Paul says the sinful mind is hostile to God, you could even say the unbalanced mind. The mind that is not controlled by the spirit. Now this is a mind that is controlled by the self. This is a person who has not given their life over to Jesus. That person, whether they know it or not, whether intentional or not, is actually hostile to God. That's scary. Because nobody really intends to be hostile, and maybe a few people, but most people know. But here's the thing. The mind not given over to the Spirit, what does he say? It's in a battle with God. It doesn't submit, it doesn't surrender, right? And we know people like this, maybe you deal with this, maybe, maybe even as a Christian you feel that flesh and sometimes you feel that war going on in you. But the thing is, the Spirit does not allow self-gratification. This idolatrous self-gratification. He won't. He will put a stop to it. He will, he will make you just crazy until you start following him. He does not allow selfishness. And he says you can't please God because the only thing you want to please is yourself and your fleshly desires. And there's a lot of these people in the world. I mean, there's a lot of people like this in the world. Jesus even says so. Pull out your, uh, your licorice again. Jesus even says so. He says, the, uh, the road to righteousness, the road to heaven, it's a road that is very narrow. In other words, very few people walk on it. But he says, the road to destruction is very wide. Now, I'm going to say something here. Don't get mad at me. But... Raise your hand if you have a red licorice, and you love, you just love the red licorice. Go ahead. Oh, everybody's eating their licorice, haven't they? Okay, raise your hand if you ate your red licorice. Let's put it that way. Okay, you guys are on the road to destruction. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm not serious. But see, here's the thing. I mean, nobody likes the black licorice. No, well, Curtis, Brittany, Peggy, I'm sorry. Very few people like the black licorice. I mean, it's a great illustration as to how narrow this road is. Because it's, it's not just about, oh, I'm, I made a decision. That's part of it. It's not just about, oh, I was baptized. That's part of it. But listen, it is about your life and you living in the Spirit. It is about you following Christ in such a way that sometimes following the Spirit can be tough, but you still love it. How weird is that, right? I mean... That's not natural. It's not part of our culture to think that way. Verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. So he's talking to us. He's talking to those who have begun a relationship with Christ. If the Spirit of God lives in you, or if the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Now Paul's talking about people who have had their lives radically changed by Jesus. But notice that last phrase there, he kind of hints that he might think that not everyone in his audience has really given their lives over to the Spirit, has really surrendered to Jesus. And this is important because so many people come to church and they participate in religion, but they don't have the Spirit. They don't have them living within them, and Paul says that they don't belong to Christ. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. 
Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Now, let me, let me pull us aside here and kind of take us off track just for a minute. This is one of the few places, in fact, there are really only two, and the other one's kind of debated, but it, this is one of two places where the Trinity shows up. Notice, notice Paul, how he interchanges the Spirit who lives within us, Christ who lives within us, and then he uses this phrase, Him who raised Jesus from the dead. That's the Father who lives in us. He, he, he interchanges these things so easily, like it's, it's nothing, because he understands they are they are one, but they have different roles. And I took a whole class on the Trinity, and, and, and oh, it was such a waste of money, because at the end, he, he said, the, 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 not the pastor, the professor said, what, what have we learned? And so everybody raised their hand and said, we've learned this, and he's like, that's correct, but it's not all of it. That's correct, but it's not all. That's correct, because we can't wrap our minds completely around this thing. And, and so we left going, what did I pay for, right? I mean, we, we went really deep and learned just a little bit more. You know, it's like, ah, it was so crazy. And so this is one of the, this is, I love this passage because this is one of the places where the Trinity shows up. You have the Spirit of God. You have Jesus. You have the Father living in you, dealing with your mind. Dealing with your heart, dealing with your emotions, dealing with your decisions. I love it. I was um, two uh, Fridays ago, not this, not a couple days ago, but two Fridays ago, I went camping um, with my two sons. They're six and four, and we did it in the backyard because it's the first time we've gone camping. And so we 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 throw them we throw them in the backyard, and this is them in the tent. And um, and I'm sitting here thinking they're not going to last. It's not going to go. Um, but boy, they were having fun all the way up to we got into the tent. Now, what do you do? Now, let me ask this. My wife's idea of camping is a Holiday Inn Express. Okay? You ladies, raise your hand if you like camping. Okay, we got a few of us. Okay, that's good. Now talk to my wife, okay? How many of you guys like camping? Okay? All right, a little bit more of us, yeah. Now, here's the thing. What do you do when you go camping? Before you, you know, you, sit, you get there, you set up the tent, and then you set up the fire, and then what do you eat when you go camping? A little crowd participation here real quick. What's that? No, I didn't go fishing. Okay. What we do is hot dogs, right? Take some hot dogs, put it on a stick, right? Clean stick. A little bark doesn't hurt anybody. A little ashes, all right. You roast that thing up, you eat it. And then what do you do? S'mores. S'mores. Now, how do you make s'mores? Graham cracker, chocolate, and marshmallows. You don't change the s'more. The s'more recipe has been around for 7,000 years. Okay? The Hershey's Chocolate Factory was making s'mores that long ago. You, you get chocolate, you get graham crackers, and you get marshmallows. This is the trinity of camping. <laughs> you don't change it. 
If you take something away, it's not the same. It's dry or it's messy. If you try to add something, that's just heresy, okay? You cannot... Somebody tried to use the cinnamon crackers one time, and that was as far as I was willing to go. You ever had those, the cinnamon graham crackers? Eh, All right, fine. You don't change it. And with the Trinity, you don't change Him either. God is the same no matter what. You can't add to Him. You can't add any idols to Him. And listen, you cannot take away from Him. I hear so often that the Holy Spirit is not God. The Holy Spirit is God. And we try to, and people try to attribute the Holy Spirit as a lesser God. He's not. He is God. All right, back to, back to the verses here. There's a few benefits that Paul points out about having the Spirit live within you. Verse 10, notice this, your fleshly desires are dead because your sin is dead. He's talking about this habitual focused sin that when you didn't live for Christ, you had. This isn't random sin. So you and I are freed from the domination of sin. That's your next point. You and I are freed from the domination of sin in our lives. And then he goes on in the second part of verse 10. He says, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, Paul, he is such a wordsmith, and I'm not um, a math guy, but I can get the whole English thing. Of course, he wrote in Greek, so the whole Greek thing. But Paul writes in such a way that he uses this word spirit, and he uses this word pneuma, to where it could mean the Holy Spirit, or it could just mean your soul. And he's doing it on purpose, because what he's saying is that he's, he's making it distinct, indistinguishable, indistinguishable between the Holy Spirit and your soul. The Holy Spirit, here's what you need to know, the Holy Spirit brings righteousness, and your soul is alive because of righteousness. This is what Paul's getting at. The Holy Spirit brings righteousness into you, and your spirit is alive because of that righteousness. So he's, he's trying to make it kind of vague, but he wants you to understand this. And then in verse 11, God will give life to our earthly bodies. God will give life to our earthly bodies through the spirit who lives within us. Um, this commentary that I was kind of looking at had a great quote. It said, the spirit's life-giving power is not circumscribed by the mortality of the body, but overcomes and transforms that mortality into the immortality of eternal life in a resurrected body. You ever thought about that? I mean, I mean, not to get too morbid or weird, but you're going to die, and people have died all throughout time, and they've been buried in the ground, and they do decompose. So at some point, for those believers... Who come in, who, who have believed in Christ and are buried and they've been dead for a long time, the Spirit comes in and He's powerful enough to, to be able to take your body and put it back together. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? What about people who are cremated? He's got that power too. He's powerful enough to do that. What about people cremated and their ashes have been thrown into the ocean? He's powerful. He can do that. He can do that. And he, and I mean, this is kind of, this is where Christianity sometimes gets kind of a little freaky, right? You're, you're like, whoa, this is second coming stuff. This is new life stuff, dead, and whoa. Let me close with this. If you guys want to come up. Um, Eric, you guys can come on up. We can either make decisions based upon our flesh. Now, Paul's talking about 
people who have not begun a relationship with Christ. And so we can either make decisions based upon our flesh and say, I don't need God, I don't need the Spirit, or we can make decisions and say, I am going to place my mind and my heart, my entire life in the hands of the Holy Spirit, in the hands of God himself. And it's so important because you are dealing with an eternal relationship with this decision. And we need to know that a relationship with Jesus, it goes a whole lot deeper than just saying a prayer. It goes a whole lot deeper than just being baptized. That's part of it. Please understand it is. I'm not taking that away. You don't lose your salvation. I think scripture is clear. I believe scripture is clear that you don't lose that once you have made that decision. But then we have to ask ourselves. Sometimes we have to have a gut check time where in verse 9, it says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Sometimes there's a gut check time where we say, whoa, let me check myself. Because and this is your last point. Only those who walk according to the Spirit and think through the Spirit have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is only those who are in the Spirit who have a home with their Heavenly Father.